Merry Christmas to you all. You want to try that one more time? We can do it together. Uh, Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas. That's wonderful. Uh, looking out at you, I can't think of a better crowd that I would rather be with on Christmas morning. It's really sweet to be with you, and it's really wonderful to see all the children that are here with us this morning. Thank you, little kids, for taking time out of your Christmas morning to be with us. Uh, Kids, did you know that when you were born, an announcement was made for each one of you? It could have been a text or an email. It might I don't know when you were born, but uh, depending on when you were born, uh, uh, determines what that announcement might have looked like, but it was probably a picture of you, uh, maybe just a few hours old, that went out. And it went out because you were a cause of great celebration. Uh, because each one of you, we feel like, are a gift to us. And you are a part of our covenant community, and we're grateful for you. And when we look at this story, we are looking at a birth announcement. And when we look at this baby, the one that came to us from such humble beginnings, we are looking at the greatest gift that God has ever given to us. This is Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 7 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Oh, what wonder it is that you came to be with us. In these humble beginnings, the story, Lord, I pray You'd never make this story routine or cold to us, but that we would be renewed with a fresh sense of wonder at just what you did. So help us to join together and think about these things well. Give us a renewed sense of conviction of what it means to us 
And Lord, I pray that you would help us to look at this story and remember just how deeply we are loved, just the links that you went to, that you might win us back to yourself. And help me to be a good friend to these friends, to give them words of life on this Christmas morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, there are several gifts that I remember getting when I was a kid at Christmas, but the one that had the most drama around it was, I think I was 12 or 13, maybe 14 years old, and my parents were giving me a bicycle. Uh, Now, in my neighborhood, growing up, a bicycle was essential. It meant that you could get around the neighborhood. We could, I could go to the park. The pool was like a mile away, so I could go to the pool during the summer by myself. It meant that I could be a part of a bicycle gang. For real. We had a bot. Now, there were no other gangs in the neighborhood, and uh, we didn't do anything. We rode around together, but we called ourselves a gang. So, so uh, I got to be a part of the bicycle gang, and that was really important. Having a bicycle meant that I had some measure of freedom, and it was essential. And so my parents, I had outgrown my old one, and now my parents were giving me a new one. And the drama was found in that they let me be a part of picking out my own Christmas present, this bicycle that they were going to give to us. And so for what felt like months, but was probably weeks, my father and I went around and looked at all these different bicycles at all these different places, and I got to kind of try them out and take them for a test drive. And this was when shock absorbers were first starting to become a thing, and I was convinced I really needed them, and my dad was like, no, you don't need those, you know. But eventually we settled on a bicycle, and we picked it out, and I was happy, and they were happy, and we brought it back. And it was about two or three weeks before Christmas, and here was the rule. I, I wasn't allowed to touch the bicycle until they gave it to me on Christmas morning. And so I could go down and look at it. It just sat in the basement. I could go down and look at it, but I couldn't touch it. And one time, kids get this, one time I went down there and my my father caught me sitting on the bicycle, just sitting on it, and he told me he was going to take it back. I was really scared that he might do that. But I tell you that story because often our heart's desires can feel just, just out of reach. Like it's right there in front of us and we want it, but it can feel like it's just, just beyond us to reach it. And often the way that we celebrate Christmas can be a reminder that our heart's desires are just out of reach. Gathering with family can be sweet and difficult at the same time, can it? Like it doesn't mean that you don't love them and that you don't enjoy being around them, but There can be this external celebration coupled with an internal and lingering sadness. It can be there. Even giving gifts to each other can be kind of angsty, right? Like, do I really want what's being (laughs) given to me? Or am I giving them something they really want? Christmas can be a reminder to us that our heart's desires are just out of reach. But I think that when we look at this story of what God was up to when he sent Jesus to be with us and all the intentions behind Jesus coming to us, we see that God is attending to our deepest desires in the most profound ways. And it's a reminder to us this morning on this Christmas morning of just what we're celebrating and what our celebration should look like. What we're celebrating and what our celebration should look like. 
First, what we're celebrating, well, I think the first thing that we're celebrating here every Christmas is that God is a God who keeps his promises. That's what we see. In verse 11, an angel appears in the sky. Just imagine what it would have been like to be a shepherd just working on a normal, chilly night in the fields with his buddies out taking, you know, watching over their flock, and an angel appears in the sky. And this is what the angel says. The angel says, unto unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those are loaded terms that angel is using. Those are messianic terms. Uh, God had promised his people that a Savior or a Messiah was coming to them. One who would deliver them and redeem them to God. One who would, the Messiah was promised as one who would solve their deepest struggles. And redeem them from their deepest miseries fully and forever. And it, and, uh, but for God's people, generations came and went with no word from God. There was an extended period of silence between when the last prophet spoke to God's people and when Jesus arrives on the scene again. And so if you were a first century Jew, I'd wonder if you were thinking, maybe God forgot about us. Or even worse, maybe God doesn't actually keep his promises. And so when Jesus arrives, it is a reminder to us that he does keep his promises. And not only that, it's going to be through Jesus that he delivers on his promises. And so when we look at Jesus, we see that God is attending to our heart's desires. A multitude of heavenly hosts join that angel in the sky. That means thousands of heavenly creatures. We think it was thousands of angels joined and their song speaks to us about the hope that's attached to the birth of this child. What did they sing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God and peace on earth. Those two things are inextricable. And the word peace needs to resonate with us. For us, it usually means the cessation of hostilities, like a war comes to an end, a a peace treaty is signed, and we lay down our swords. But you know as well as I do, we can lay down our swords, and that doesn't necessarily mean we have goodwill toward each other. The biblical definition of peace is actually much more robust than that. It it describes a harmonious relationship running in all different directions. A harmonious relationship between us and creation itself. A harmonious relationship between each of us here in this room. And most importantly, a harmonious relationship between us and God. The word for it is shalom, and, and it is the definition of human flourishing. It tells us that if the reason we don't have peace, and the reason peace can feel so elusive to, our, to us, can be traced to the reality that somewhere along the way, we have lost peace with God. You see, the description of the Garden of Eden is a description of peace. It is a picture for us of what shalom actually is. God created the world, and it was good. And God created Adam and Eve, and he looked at both of them, and he called them very good. 
And everything was perfect. Their relationship with God was perfect. Their relationships with each other were perfect. And when sin entered the world, all of that good peace was disrupted. And so these angels are telling us, and they're telling these shepherds, that all of our hopes of a future restored peace rest in the baby that came to us that night. The words of life spoken into the darkness. There's a town in Alaska. It's the northernmost U.S. city. I'm going to try to pronounce it, but I probably won't get it right. It's called, I think it's called Utkayavik. Is there anybody here that knows how to pronounce it? Nobody? Okay. Utkayavik. It's home to almost 5,000 people, mostly native Alaskans. And uh, each one of, if you're a resident there, you have a unique challenge. Because for two months every year, they reside in complete and total darkness because of their location on the, like the, it's, it's like, if you're wondering where Mr. and Mrs. Claus live, it would be right there in Nukaivik. Okay. They're like on top of the world and it's called polar darkness. The sun will go down on a day in November and it won't come back up until a day in January. Now, could you imagine that kids? Would you like to live in a place like that? When I think of it, I think it'd probably be very cold, right? It'd be very cold. I think about carrying around a flashlight all day long. Like, it just sounds awful. But the good news for them is that they know that no matter how dark it gets, a day is coming when the sun rises again. And they look forward to that day. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus came into the world... A light entered the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. That means the darkness is powerless to resist it. And he came that you might have peace. He he took every sin, everything that stands between you and God, your sins, past, present, and future. Jesus came that he might put all of that mess on his back And take it to the cross with them. The cross, when you look at the cross, you're looking at the place where darkness dies. The cross is where darkness dies. And I don't know what darkness looks for you right now. It comes to us in different ways. But when we gather here this morning. And we offer our praise. And we confess our sins. And we hear about God's grace. When we confess our our faith together, and when we hear from God's word, and when we take the meal together, one of the things we're proclaiming is that there's going to come a day when the sun rises again. That just like there was a first advent, there's going to be a second advent. Because Jesus came, and before he left, he promises he's coming again. Daryl Bach says, with a song in its heart, heaven sent Jesus to earth. And when he came, he came to set the prisoner free. He came to speak peace to the brokenhearted. He came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no longer die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. All the hopes and fears of all the years are met in Jesus tonight. If you're wondering what what we're celebrating this morning, that's it.
Nothing less than that. And the only question for us is, what should our celebration look like? Well, we got a few responses that we see in this passage, and I just want to name each one. There's an outward response, an inward, and an upward response. The first one is outward, and it's simply a word of proclamation. When the shepherds saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning a child. This simply means they talked about it with others. And that makes sense to us, right? Once you witness something like that, uh, you're going to talk about it with the people around you. And I got to confess that it's, this, this is really challenging to me. Like, it's really easy to have our celebration be about everything but what we're celebrating. And so, so um, does our celebration reflect the truth of what Jesus... Could other people look at what we're celebrating today and say they're really excited about who Jesus is? And then there's an inward celebration. You see it. I love this. This picture of Mary... She treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Because what she had endured is moving beyond her ability to comprehend. And so she thought deeply and reflected on all that God had done. done. I want to challenge you with this. I know you probably have lots of plans for what today will be. But let me just challenge you to take some time to yourself. To think, to ponder, to treasure. What does it mean to you? That Jesus came to be with you. And then finally we see this upward response. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. They were so convinced that God was working on their behalf in Jesus that it moved them to praise. And when they praised God, they joined their voices with the angels. The refrain from heaven echoed in their hearts. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I point all these out to you because most of us have traditions for how this day will go. For most of us, like the worship service is falling in the middle of some traditions. And you're like trying to figure out how to, you know, make up for that. And, and the day can just feel busy and busy and busy, right? And sometimes the way we celebrate Christmas can take life from us. <laughs> rather than reflect the life-giving promises of Jesus to us. And so I just think there's something to be learned from these responses here. And so the question I want you to ask yourself, or maybe talk to each other about as you go back home, is simply, what would it look for our celebration to reflect these things? Outward, inward, upward. What would it look like? Just ask yourself the question. You know, the funny thing about that bicycle With all that drama that was behind it, the thing that I couldn't touch that felt like it was just out of reach. And then it became like this really important part of my life for years. I have no idea where that thing is anymore. (laughs) Like, I really thought about it. I really spent some time this week thinking about like where, when, I don't even know when that bicycle stopped being a part of my life. When we gather here to celebrate Jesus' coming to us. We have the joy of celebrating something eternal, something that's been done for you, the life of Jesus given for you, a gift that never fades away. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that it was your joy to send Jesus. And Holy Spirit, thank you for your work that you... Spend your days 
proclaiming the truth of Jesus to our hearts. So I pray that you would renew these things in us and give us a deep sense this day and all days of what the coming of Jesus means to us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.